Welcome to the Garbage Fire Podcast, aka MFKS Radio, on the airwave, airwave style at 487.52. Your pod is hosted by Kelsey and Megan, these two sweet summer children. The Garbage Fire Pod is all about being unironically passionate to the point that you would dive into the dumpster for the things that you love. Can I tell you something embarrassing? Yeah. I couldn't hear you talking, so I tried to turn my laptop volume up. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> no, no. It's attached to my phone. Yep. That's not how it works. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been, those of you who listen regularly, all like three of you now, it has been a minute. Yeah, I guess that Sweet Summer Children label really does apply now. It just does. Laid it all bare. It okay, does. remember in our pre talk how I had two shocking things or surprising things to talk about? Yep. Segment number one. Ready? Yep. It's time to embarrass Megan with compliments. Oh, why? Because you helped raise 15000 fucking dollars for a kid to stay in Canada, and you need to brag about it, Megan. <laughs> it's oh, fucking ridiculous. If I did this, I'd be fucking shouting it from my upstairs bedroom onto one of Calgary's many highways. Well, you can say whatever nice things you want. I'm not going to brag about anything. Could you at least give context? Okay, so at our school this year, we had um, a whole bunch of kids who needed a whole bunch of things. So let's not... Uh, That's true. Let's, let's there always is. get that out there. But we had one kid, um, he was here uh, on a student visa, ultimately, um, from Kenya. He was 18, he graduated, he got his diploma, which is awesome. Uh, and he has, is, has started the process of applying for a permanent residency because um, he has now a family. Now that he's not a student, he can stay, Yes, right? he's not a student, and his marks aren't good enough to go into post-secondary right away, mm-hmm. uh, which would have eliminated a lot this. of this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but they weren't, and that's just what it is. So his foster family is uh, has helped him start the process of... Um, getting his permanent residency, and in order to do so, obviously, he needs uh, to pay for a lawyer, so they were looking for um, about $5,000 to help cover the legal fees that they were quoted. Uh, And they probably could have got it done pro bono, I would assume, from somebody. Um, Like, immigration law is not exactly a lucrative uh, No, but I imagine that that would have kind of put him to the back of their priority list yes pro bono exactly and so they could have gone that route but one of the things that uh, is what is important about this kid his name is tony um is that he doesn't trust people very easily and he'd already mm-hmm. met with this lawyer a couple times and had like opened up about some of the stuff that had gone on in in his past when he was still in kenya and then when he first got to canada um but honestly and- like knowing this kid's story i'm like yeah you shouldn't fucking trust anybody dude you've been let down so many times in your life oh exactly and so they they wouldn't they wouldn't have wanted to switch lawyers anyway so yes. the, the family was looking for about five grand um uh, to help with that and so the background on this kid he's been in canada now since he was about 11 um and he just turned 18 this year and he was, he had, his mother died. He never knew his father. His mother died when he was quite young. Um, like, uh, as his counselor puts it, his mom died when he was just tiny. Um, and then he lived with grandparents and I think one of his aunts in, still in Kenya for a while. And some terrible things happened, which I don't mm-hmm. think that's my story to share, so I'm not no. going to. Sure. Um, and then he ended up actually coming to Canada to live with um, 
like a, a family friend ultimately, but on a student visa because he to come that here. That was the and, only and way. It was yeah. the only way to get him out of there. And so that once by the time he was in grade nine, so he got that when he would have been like fourteen ish, so he'd have been here for three years already. Um it was discovered at the school he was at that he was basically looking after himself and like oftentimes sleeping in the ravine and had no food and all this kind of stuff. And so horrible, somehow horrible. Like, I don't know how, but somehow he got sort of hooked up with this family uh, at his junior high and they have a daughter of their own who who's younger. I can't remember if she was in grade eight or grade seven when he was in grade nine and they took him in. Um, and mm-hmm. so he's had quite a supportive uh, place to be and they're really lovely really really lovely people um and they want obviously what's best for him and right now what's best for him is to stay in Canada because he has no family in mm-hmm. Kenya that he would know he doesn't speak the language uh that he spoke when he was a kid anymore mm-hmm. um so there's nothing for him there so they were looking to raise money and his counselor mentioned that she was going to do a bottle drive um and so I was like oh well I have some cash left over from the thing at Christmas time when I asked people for money from our students um because again I need school and mm-hmm. so I had some cash left over and I said to her I said I can put in 500 bucks and she started to cry and I was like oh just stop it's fine and I said it's not my money don't worry about it because <laughs> it's not my money like it 100% wasn't my money um and then I said no I'll just like throw out a thing and see you know, put out something out on Twitter and Facebook and see if anyone else wants to contribute. And then uh, over the course of that, I pulled in uh, from other people about 2700 bucks, And then, like, the there was a little bit more money on top of that that I gave in myself. Um, and then through the bottle drive and donations through a GoFundMe and whatnot, they've raised uh, somewhere over $15,000, uh, which is good because, let's say, his case goes to a hearing and, they, and it gets rejected and he has to go to appeal, then they have... They've got a huge cushion to be able to work with now. Yes, and they've got money to, to pay for all of those things, which is super, super important. And if it does work out kind of, you know, as smoothly as the lawyer hopes that it will, um, then they have some money to help him pay for new clothes for a job and all those kind of things. Because the family doesn't have a lot, right? And so mm-hmm. this was this was something that was really nice. Hell yeah, it was really nice. And, like, as to recap this onto my point... Like, you you could have stopped your involvement as, hey, I have 500 extra dollars, but you fucking didn't, Megan. You're like, actually, I can help more, and I know people who can help more, and so let's get this job fucking done. Well, and it's funny, too, because, like, I know, as soon as the family, so this is on a Thursday that we found out about this, Thursday about 10.30 in the morning, and the family had decided they weren't going to do a GoFundMe, they, they didn't know, especially now with, like, people losing their jobs and whatever, like, mm-hmm. if this was a good a good ask and so they they weren't going to do it um and then they I guess they decided to and so if I had known I might have just waited and be like hey you know donate some money um but I didn't I was like well I didn't know what they were gonna do so I just was like yeah I can probably track down some money um and so I did and had they not started the GoFundMe I am absolutely 100% certain that if I had kept asking like over the weekend um it would have been I would have been able to get a whole pile more yeah for sure Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you did ask because, like, I imagine that that as soon as, like, you told the counselor I have this money, they were like, oh, shit, like, let's go back to the family and talk because there's a way that we can make this work. 
It's possible, absolutely. That that is very possible that that's what happened. Uh, and then so on the Monday we went to their house. So they had two trailers full of bottles, um, from instead of just the one that they had originally arranged for. So they had ended up having two trailers full of bottles. Um, and then <clears throat> I went with counselor and a couple of their teachers to go with like the last load of bottles and whatever. And then I had all this cash, and uh, I tried to very quietly just give it to him and be like, "This is how much money's in here." whatever and then the other the counselor she made a big deal out of it and I was not very happy with her but anyway (laughs) (laughs) but no one at school like made a big deal out of it one of the APs was gonna say something um because it was our our last day on the Monday was our farewell and so we were all spread out all over the school like watching this thing uh on a live stream and I was in a classroom with like nine other people or eight other people um all spread out we all had our like our our bubbles around us it was so funny um, but it was funny because I watched them and they were talking a little bit about this and uh, one of the assistant principals got up there and she said something, uh, she had a message from his parents and was like, here, here's this thing, we just want to say thank you, blah, blah, blah. And this is before I had gone with the counselors, with the rest Over of there? the stuff. Over there? Okay. So this is, yeah, this is in the afternoon and then I, we went after school. Um, and then I saw the other assistant principal who was standing up there with her whisper something to her and the one who was talking was like, no, she'd hate that. Um, so I was, I was very appreciative that someone had my back. Oh, that's lovely. And the reason is, and this is the thing, and this is why it's uncomfortable for me to talk about things like this is because at the end of the day, I was, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was sort of raised to embrace this thought where like you just do things for people who have no hope of being able to do things, the same thing back for you. Right? Yeah. Like, that's essentially, that's just how I've kind of always lived my life. So, like, okay, like, last fall, or no, last fall, last spring, I put it out again. I was like, hey, I'm uh, trying to buy some shoes for a kid that I yeah. work with. Anyone want to help out? And then someone sent me $120, and then someone else was like, hey, bring him to my store, and we'll give you the employee discount so we can get more than just shoes. And I was like, sweet, okay, cool. So we did. And, and it was really, I didn't do a lot. I just asked the question. Yes, but that's that's what I'm saying. That's what makes you different than other people is that people who are so much more self-absorbed would just say, oh, that sucks, or like, sorry, can't do much about it, and then never even try to ask the question or never even think of the question to ask. I suppose. And my parents were like, do you want some money? Because I asked them at first if they had any bottles, and they'd just taken them in. Uh, and mom's like, well, we can give you some money. And I said, you know what, just hold on to it, because I'm sure I'm going to need some for something in the fall or at Christmas time or whatever again. And mom's like, okay. Yeah, because it's just, like, it, it's lovely, but it's so unfortunate that there's, yeah. uh, A, so many people willing to help, but B, that there's so many people who need help. And that's, especially at the school that you're at, but... Well, and it was interesting to some of the talking to some of the staff on the Monday and, and even on, on the Friday um, about it, just like through text or whatever, just like that all you really have to do is ask a question. Mm-hmm. And and maybe people say no, but there's absolutely no harm or no shame in asking. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, I just find it very uncomfortable, especially in the school environment as well, because I don't need people to know that that's a thing that I'm doing. Because to me, then it becomes... Being a human with a caring soul. <laughs> well, yes, it ruins the mystique, but um, no, but it... you're so deprecating me. <laughs> oh uh, no, it's not that. I mean, I I gave I I wrote like I bought like boxes of cards and put them in grade twelve box like grad boxes this year. Um, usually, I do you know like fifteen for the kids that I really like. Mm-hmm. But I did for all the grade twelves that I taught this year, plus like 
a bunch of the football guys and swim team kids and, like, just other kids that I know. Some I've never, ever taught, but, like, I know them. You know, whatever. And it's just, like, a thing that I did. But I don't like that to be made public for mm-hmm. two reasons. One, because to me, I wouldn't consider not doing it. So, like, it's not a big deal to me because it's just something that in my head I'm just like, yeah, cool, I'll just do this thing. It's just um, happening. Yeah. But the other reason is at my school, and it's been like this at every school I've ever been at, I don't like to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Because, and especially because I look at it as this is just something that, like, I would normally do anyway. I don't feel like I should be taking credit for anything. But I also mm-hmm. know that there are people that I work with, especially at this school, um, most of whom I think are wonderful. But there are some people at my school who would absolutely 100% like use that thing to be right. real super dicks about it. And I just, I'm not about that life. I just want to continue to like do the things that I do and that's why I don't like to talk about it but that's because and this is why you're so wonderful is you just consider it part of the job like you you do what you do because you care for these kids and this doesn't go beyond that for you and that's wonderful I remember one other time when I was working at outreach um we had a girl she was I don't know she was almost she was gonna be 20 uh, and she had done all of her high school at Outreach, and she had a, a three-year-old and, um, you know, was living in an apartment by herself and was getting student funding, but, you know, it's it's tight. It was, like, 1400 bucks a month, and so in order to pay for everything, like, for daycare and all this kind of stuff, she needed a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was kind of barely scraping by. And I remember at the time, a guy that I went to high school with, he was working at a car dealership. I can't remember which one. And their bo- he put it out on Facebook, and he was like, our boss has given us each $500 to do something in the community. Yeah. Tell me your story. And so I texted him. I was like, hey, I saw your thing on Facebook. I got this girl that I teach and blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. And he, we had to meet because this was like 2014 or whatever. And e-transfers were not quite as. Okay. Like, there had to be an exchange of cash. <laughs> yeah. You had to pay for the e-transfers at that point in time. They weren't yeah. free. So like uh, we weren't about that. And so we met for, and he gave me the 500 bucks and then I gave it to her. Um. But again, like, I didn't, I wouldn't have asked anybody, but he put it out there, and I was like, oh, I'll, maybe I'll see if he thinks that this is worthy. Yeah. And then he did, and so then I gave her 500 bucks. Whatever. That's awesome. Were you like, don't ask. <laughs> Just take pretty it much, yeah. and run. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, and I made a joke. She's like, what did you do? How did you get this money? And I was like, I sold a kidney. She's like, you can do that? I was like, no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> also, if you're only getting 500 bucks for your kidney... That doesn't make any sense. No, it I made a be bad business deal. <laughs> if I only yeah. have $500 for a kidney. Oh, I think I have an episode title rolling around in my head now. Okay, what's... <laughs> bad business deal. <laughs> what's number two? I'm uncomfortable with all of this now. Uh, number two is a fun thing for later. Oh, but also, just before we move on to this, um, I, you, I'm going to say thank you to you for the contribution that you made, because that was very nice and it made me cry. Oh, well, I didn't mean to make you cry. I know that's not your favorite thing to do, but like you said, like, I had extra money, and Uh what am I going to do? Fucking spend more on Skip the Dishes? No, I'll give it to a kid who needs to stay in Canada, like... Well, and it was, it was funny, too, because at the end do. of the day, if I'd had the money that they were looking for right off the hop, I would have just written them a check and been like, here, be done with it. Oh, I was trying to convince Chris, because, like, <laughs> <laughs> he for sure has all that money, so it's like, okay, I need to tell you about this kid. He was like, 
(laughs) (laughs) So it was just my money. My half-employed, well, not even half-employed, one-eighth employed (laughs) money. Well, I appreciate it very much. NP, my dude, NP. That's what makes me, like, so mad is, like, it's so easy to do for Uh us. Like, Uh it just makes me so heartbroken for people who can't help because they're not as privileged as we are. Well, when I told him about that, and it's like, oh, yeah, one of my friends did this. And he's like, yo, miss, you have rich friends. And that, like, that hurt my heart more than almost anything else because I was like, dude, it's, like, I didn't say it, but I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know what this is like. Yeah, it's really tough. Like, that's not, you know, whatever. I mean, at the end of the day, like, if I wasn't worried about us going on strike in the news <laughs> earlier, um, then I would have just, like, basically been like, well, here, you can have my entire summer school paycheck. Like, what the fuck do I care? Yeah, uh, for you sure. You know what I mean? And so, but that's going to go in the bank for strike pay when I'm going to need, like, a month's worth of, a month's worth of pay. Um, Is it looking that bad right now? Well, you've seen what they're doing to everybody else, so yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It's not great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was that comment of, like, you'll miss your rich friends, and I was like... I love the you'll miss. Yo, you'll miss. I was like, Me yeah. Me Donnie from I Uptown. Do. <laughs> like, no? Were you like, shit, wait, I do have rich friends. <laughs> I need to milk this. But like, but in my head, but and like, no offense to you, but I was like, yeah, I actually do have some rich friends, but like, that's not one of them. <laughs> I personally, no, yeah. absolutely not. No, but like, I because I've I've friends who who you know them and their spouse together, you know, pull in like a half Lots million dollars a year, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I have some of those people in my life too, right? So, yeah. Anyway. I get that. But yeah, it was just so funny, and he was just like, it was, he was just, he's such a nice kid. And I'm really happy that we could help. Me too. Um, because hopefully then he gets, and the nice thing is once his application is submitted, and I know this because one of the waitresses at Trivia Night, um, she's, well, actually a bunch of them, but the one that we deal with the most, she's from Ireland. Um, and when she applied for her permanent residency, she waited until, like, her work visa was almost up to actually do the application. And then she went home right before she submitted her application. Because once you've got it in, you can't leave the country. Oh. So that's one of the other reasons, too, why time is a little bit important. So as soon as it's in, and even if it sits in limbo for, like, a year or whatever, you can't leave the country. That makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that's that. That's that. Kudos to you. And everyone else. And my rich friends. And your rich friends. And your poor-ass rich friends like me. Kelsey. Yeah. Did I tell you my other financial, I'm bad at financial mistake? No, but I'd love to hear it. Related to Sons of Anarchy. No, but please tell me everything. So, Sons of Anarchy is on Netflix only seasons one and two. Of course, I mainlined through those for three weeks, or in three days, because I'm one-eighth employed. And because of that, I was like, ah, shit. Where can I find the rest of these? And I went on to iTunes, and at the time, there was not a full box set you could buy in each individual season. I'm like, ah, shit. So I spent $20 on season two, or season three. And I finished season three, I don't know next day half a day later 
And I'm like, ah, shit. Go back on iTunes and I look. And of course, seasons one through seven, box set, $100. So of course I bought it. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, I paid $120 to watch four seasons of television. (laughs) That's only 30 bucks a season. Well. Of DVDs. Back when you had to buy the DVDs, you would have been paying like fifty or sixty dollars. So really, when you look at it that way, you saved money. Wow, Megan, (laughs) you also are bad at financial. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did go to the bookstore and buy a book yesterday, even though I have you have a million, (laughs) a million bajillion quadrillion books. Well, because I was at my parents yesterday. Um. Because it's summertime. I don't know if anyone knows that. If the weather's nice where you are, I'm not sure. Um, and I finished my summer school teaching, and which yesterday was like the greatest summer school teaching day I've ever had, uh, ever in my life, because I'm teaching from home. Mm-hmm. So I was just like schlepping around my house in the same clothes I've been wearing all week, because, well, whatever. Um, well, who cares? <laughs> honestly. I don't know. I need to wash this shirt. It smells bad. So, <laughs> <get in there. laughs> Now it smells like sunscreen, so it's just like there's a lot of things going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. the sunscreen, like, sweat thing can be tough. So, anyway, we're in the middle of our film study. Interstellar, and of course. No, because it's too, oh. no, no. We have too many kids for whom that would be a bit of a mind fuck. Okay, gotcha. Without having, being able to, like... Discuss it. Discuss it as it's happening, you. or, like, at least yeah. pay attention and watch them watch it so I know what points to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I chose Batman Begins because I was going to do V for Vendetta because I'd be like a normal kind of grade twelve ish thing. Yeah. But then again, timeline wise, with all the flashbacks, I was like, oh, that feels complicated. So and just because again, not being in the room with them and not having the opportunity to yeah to see those and discuss yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, Batman Begins, and it was and it's old enough now, like it's fifteen years old, right? So it's old enough now that. Lots of people haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of nice. And it was really cool. I don't tell what movie we're going to do until, like, right before it's we start. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good because uh, I was going to do Reef for Vendetta, and that was my plan for a very long time. And then Thursday morning at, like, 6 o'clock, I was like, nope, Batman. So I, like, redid my entire unit on Thursday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. So the, we watched it during class time. Mm-hmm. Because if we were in class in a building, you we'd watch it during class time. And so we had a little um, debrief of the thing we had done on Thursday. And then I'm team teaching with someone. So then I took over and talked a little bit about some film stuff and said, okay, here's your assignments. Here's what it looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, be back here in the Google Meet at 1235 because that'll give us just enough time to go over things you need to go over. Make sure you're clear on the stuff you need to do for Monday, and then you can go. And they were so shocked that they were watching a movie during, like, during the day. School time. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, well, we watch it in class anyway. So, like, we're just, we're treating this like regular class. Attendance counts, all of those things count. So why would we not do things the same way that we would do them in class? So I got paid $67 an hour. Whoa! To not watch a movie... That I've You've seen, seen like, a million times. 857 <laughs> times. Uh, I did a bunch of marking and whatever. But, like, yeah, I got paid 67 bucks an hour basically to mark papers. But honestly, if, they were watching. 
Yeah, if the movie was being played in class, like, you're always doing other work anyway. Yep. God, someone's gonna hear this fucking... What's his name? Dan Paperclip? He's gonna have a fucking shit show. Um, Hey, what's he up to? So, uh... Fun What's fact. Going on? He wrote an article. Are we talking about like the real David Staples or like yes. the <laughs> parody account? No, um, the real David Staples. I uh, couldn't he, think of his name, so that's why I said John Paper <laughs> He wrote a piece not that long ago that was like favorably positioned about Alberta's education system. And I didn't know what to think. I thought it was a joke. I think it's incredibly generous of you to call it a piece. I'm sure it was 200 words of rambling nonsense. A piece of writing. (laughs) You know, like my 10-2 kids hand in sometimes. It's a piece of writing. Written at a grade 6 level for the... Yeah. His readership. But, like, yeah, it was so funny. And I, I... I didn't retweet the article. Obviously, I'm blocked by him, and so I have to, like, you know, circumvent... 900 different things in order to like read any of his dumb tweets um so i just read the article on the on the journal website and i was like this feels weird but i (laughs) like i didn't really know what to think he's gone back to being like a self-aggrandizing whatever uh so it's fine um like i'm sure something's gonna get him fired i was i was certain he was gonna get fired like in the height of the the protests in the states after George Floyd was murdered, I was sure he was going to say something real dumb that was going to get him fired, but he didn't. It's a matter of time. Really restraining himself, eh? But it was really funny. Like, it was just like, I was like, I agree with David Staples, (laughs) and I don't like how that makes me feel. Uh, I taught with some teachers who taught his children. Yeah. And apparently to them it was very discombobulating because he would write all this shit about them, how they're failing his children in the newspaper and then come parent-teacher interviews he would be so amenable just like the two-faced snake he is Uh but you know who's really you know who's really amped up that kind of I want to say irrelevant contrarian label in my mind rex murphy of the globe and mail yes god every time anything happens he's just like well black people in america just don't get it like oh my god did you read his piece about how he only cooks craft dinner what it's gotten to the point where i just i read the headline and i'm like your headlines are your thesis of your quote-unquote pieces. I don't even need to read this to understand that I fucking hate you. <laughs> like, oh man. Only eat craft dinner. So I wrote, typed in Rex Murphy K for craft dinner, kind of partially assuming there's going to be an article about the KKK, but there's not. Um, <laughs> so you're slightly disappointed? Well, that Are you ready? I'm going to read this to you. Oh, God. I don't know if I'm ready. Thank God I peed beforehand. Go ahead. (laughs) Lessons in lockdown for an incompetent chef. Oh, you're incompetent at many things, Rex. Let's do it. Okay. In service to the great journalistic axiom that what happens to you, in this case me, is the most important subject for any columnist, I'd like to spell out one of my own experiences during this bleak and fretful period of plague-induced lockdowns. 
For many people, I understand self-isolating has been the cruelest and most taxing part of the last three months. In my own case, however, this was not a problem, as most people gave up on me long ago. That might be the most true thing he's ever said. Yeah. Um, Is he it was, single? He's gotta be. I think so. It was okay. instead diet. This was my greatest stress. My father was an artful chef on a U.S. military base in Newfoundland for nearly 20 years. He was a magician on, on any stovetop and could work his wizardry on anything from cupcakes to caviar, seal flippers to moose sausages. Alas, the gene that governs the ability to prepare good food failed to descend to this offspring. I received none of his skills and less of his culinary art. Consequently, I look at the kitchen much as the ancients viewed Ultima Thule, uh, as a place of exotic or unknown menace and horror. What a fucking pretentious fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go, you fucking top. I'll use that word again than I used in a text message to you days ago. <laughs> so when the great isolation began and outside resources, A&W, KFC, the better food courts in general, Edo was a highlight, were no longer available, it became necessary <laughs> to clear the cobwebs from my home oven, wipe the deep dust crust from the stove top, and dive in. Little success followed. I did a crash course online on how to prepare Canada's greatest standby, the craft dinner experience. I was a whiz. <laughs> In less than a couple of weeks, I had the boiling water part down pat and could jiggle a strainer better than Suzer Lee. Jesus Christ. I, don't I think hate I just... him so much. <laughs> uh, in short, it has been Katie morning, noon, and dewy evening for nearly two months now. Oh, he's orange then. The he's only diversification orange. being a slice of cold pre-packaged ham on the side. And the result of my monomaniacal forced diet, fulsome fulfillment of the great maxim, too much of a good thing, I am now craft dinner intolerant. I'm not seeking your tears, gentle reader, but it is a horror to be cut off from the miracle housed in the blue and yellow cardboard chalice. Studies have shown... Oh, phrase, okay. Studies phrase, have shown... A phrase I borrowed from the Environmentalist Handbook, it's how they start every press release, that next to fish, craft dinner is the greatest brain food oh, ever fuck invented. fuck off. Sorry. Have you, <laughs> you're hilarious. This is the best reading of this article that anyone's ever heard. Uh, have you ever wondered why so many university students struggling to deal with the grueling demands of, say... A bachelor of political science degree. Oh, fuck you, dude. Oh, the discipline, my God. as its name Get a real us, job. Is a paradox in itself. Stock up on craft dinner by the freight carload? I used to think it was because students are generally on a tight budget. Not true. Even rich kids stock up on the brand name mac and cheese. It's because everyone knew and wanted to take advantage of its IQ enhancing powers. There's nothing going better. There's nothing better, sorry, for the old cerebellum, except, of course, going full fish. An option now d- denied to your author due to his inland location and exile from the happiest province, Newfoundland. Indeed, after four okay. years of craft dinner, people who entered college hardly able to tie their shoelaces were finally able to understand new math and get halfway through Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code without throwing up from the demanding mental exertion required. Uh, he would really hate some Jack Reacher books. Um, some Honestly, grew... though, fuck you. <laughs> some grew brains <sighs> so powerful that they could watch Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg matching wits half each on The View without passing into a coma. Okay, I, can you be more of a misogynist? <laughs> you didn't mention any other fucking person until these two. Uh-huh. <sighs> but I seem to be digressing, which is clearly the result of the gruesome fruits and vegetables I've been forced to occasionally fall back on since my craft dinner crisis. Some might wittily, wittily imply the odd digression is because of old age and its attendant challenges, but that is just an ungenerous stereotype. Alas, all too common these days, but happily one that the courteous readers of the National Post would never deploy. <laughs> to bring things home, and to quote my favorite author, John Milton, I sought out of this evil <laughs> to bring forth good. That and says so much! <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, can and you say the so, quote over again? <laughs> uh, I sought, quote, out of this evil to bring forth good, end quote. 
And so it has been. Another online cram session and I have fully mastered the intricacies and subtle demands of the preparation of Lipton's chicken noodle soup. There is no comparable substitute. And all is well again in the least exercised kitchen in all of Toronto. It's funny how much he hates poor people, but he loves to eat like poor people. It's true. And also, like, 100% says the majority of students now just eat fucking ramen all the time. Because uh-huh. fucking milk and butter are expensive, dude. That's true. <laughs> like, That's ramen, true. you just need water. <laughs> anyway, that was Rex Murphy's uh, greatest and also worst contribution to anything ever. Well... Because he got absolutely fucking destroyed online for it. And it was kind of amazing. Well, his tone is like, ain't I cute? And you're like, no, shut up. <laughs> you're not cute. No, you are the worst and you suck. <sighs> um, oh, I fucked it up, didn't I? He works for the Post. I said Global Mail. No, it's okay. Anyway. Um, not important. <laughs> here, this, so this is on June 25th. Would you like... Um, I'm going to read you a couple tweets that I think were really funny. Uh, From in him? response. No. Oh, in response. In response. A dewy summer's eve. Rex Murphy sits in his lemon-colored underwear on his Victorian Chesterfield, picking craft dinner out of his teeth with an old comb. Hearing the jiggling <laughs> invitation of a passing ice cream truck and the children's glee, he waves his fist and then nods off. Oh, he's like... Children need to go back to the basics of hoop and stick. Although someone else did say, if Rex, uh, if Ready Vote Craftinger keeps Rex Murphy from Ready Vote Climate Change, I'm 100% in favor of it. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> injustice of any kind, <laughs> political commentary. Um, I felt like that Indian dad from the video yelling oh, at his daughter playing piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's another one that I thought it will hit a lot of a lot of things here. Jordan Peterson: colon, I'm a foremost intellectual and I eat only beef. Rex Murphy: Hold my bowl of craft dinner. <laughs> oh, oh man. <laughs> oh boy. Well, I got nothing. Yeah. Remember when we said we were going to talk about sunburns? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thirty-five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, also here, after just a short glimpse, this is really funny, short glimpse into Rex Murphy's craft dinner daily life, I understand why he's such a a hateful piece of shit. (laughs) 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 And then this is, this is the, this one hits it right on the head. Thinking about how in Rex Murphy's stupid craft dinner column, he casually reveals that social distancing hasn't been a challenge because he's already alienated nearly everyone in his life. An incredible cell phone. Exactly. Like, the whole article is a cell phone, and he thought he was being so fucking cute and funny and charming. Uh-huh. And it's um, just top to bottom, you're licking your own ass. Um, and then, you know damn well that Rex Murphy wrote his take on Black Lives Matter. The editors pulled it and told him to write something less polarizing, and Rex said, oh, fuck it, okay. I'll write an article about Kraft Dinner. Not three cheese, not white cheese. Regular KD, so it's extra bland. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, there you go. Well, we've got two people contributing <laughs> to the news of the time right there. Yep. Paperclip. Yep. And KD. KD yep. Jr. Yeah. KD Sr. 
old KD face. <laughs> he probably didn't even eat craft dinner. He probably ate like the superstore brand. No, I think he's too much of an elitist that he would never. Maybe true. Also, I've heard really good things about Annie's craft dinner, but I've never had it. I have too. I've heard. I like that we're calling it Annie's craft dinner, even though it's not craft. Dinner. Oh, <laughs> no! Right. It's it's very much a thing in Canada. It's just all craft dinner, regardless it of is. what color box it's in. It's just craft dinner. It's not KD mac and cheese. It's KD or it's craft dinner. There's yeah. no other yeah alternative. Yeah, and also like. Everything else is like my favorite was KD spirals. Do you remember the spirals? Those were pretty good. Yeah. Those were okay. My well, ones. while we're talking about KD, how how do you how do you make the sauce? Do you follow the box instructions? Never. Because I don't put butter or margarine in mine. You just do it straight sauce and yeah. milk. But like, see, I put less milk and more butter or margarine. I put a little bit less milk too than it than it says, and I like just I put it in obviously just into the bottom of the pot, and yeah. just you know put the milk in first and then the powder because otherwise it gets too grainy, and Agreed. then you put your pasta on top again. Yeah, stir, and stir, you, stir, and then that's when you put the butter on. Spoon or fork? Um, for to eat it. Yes. Uh, Not to stir, you monster. Well, no, because no, because what I do usually a fork because I usually then take like a fork full of margarine, put it on top of the pasta once I've put it on the sauce, mm. and, or on, yeah, and then I just mix it all up and then it it doesn't stick together and then when I re- it's when a I, nice consistency and then when I fry it up the next day, which always happens because I never I don't usually eat a whole pot of macaroni. I would hope not. It's a lot of macaroni. Yeah, yeah. So, and what I would, I would do this like when I was still living at home, we would make for the three of us. We'd usually make like two boxes, and then there'd be leftovers. And then always like fried up macaroni is the absolute best. You know what? Hot take alert! I fucking hate leftover. KD, hate it. Can't stand really? it. Really? I see. The I thought can't... of it makes me want to fucking barf. See, I can't eat it if you just cook it in the microwave. And fun fact: don't have microwaves, so it's not a problem anymore. But um, if you're just heating up your leftovers in the microwave, I don't like it. But if I can fry it and like put it in a frying pan and make it crispy, then it, it's edible. Why would you want to... This is... Because... This is something on diners, drive-ins, and dives making. <laughs> it's like it's like fried mashed potatoes. Like reheated mashed potatoes. But no. Oh no, God, it's so not. Good. It's no, best. it's not. When do you eat fried pasta, you monster? You absolute gremlin. <laughs> How is it any different? Uh, listen, when you don't have the means, when you don't have a microwave and you have to heat up your leftovers, you have to heat them on the stove. It's the only option. Disagree. And you have an oven. <laughs> I'm not going to turn on the oven and let it fucking preheat just so I can warm up my macaroni and cheese. I'm going to put it in a frying pan like a normal person. This is just the fucking crazy. We're going to have to do a fucking famous Twitter poll. <laughs> I also eat my mac and Two cheese. Two years. With, I eat mac and cheese with a fork because uh, I like, still, I'm 37. I still like to put the, for, the tines on the of the tines. fork yeah. into, the, into the holes of the macaroni. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the only way to yeah. eat KD. If you eat it with a spoon, you're a gremlin like Megan. <laughs> But I don't need it with a spoon. I just heat it in the frying pan. I also warm up my pizza leftovers in a frying pan, so whatever. No, that's smart, though. That's smart. How is that? What? Okay, so you're not, like, you're not philosophically opposed to that? No, because it's pizza! (laughs) 
got a flat, hard bottom that you don't want to be fucking wet. And guess what? Pasta needs to be wet, Megan. <laughs> I need my pasta wet. Okay. Still not, still not turning better... on the oven just to heat up mac and cheese. It's never going to happen. I'm going to fucking do another Twitter poll. You're going to see how wrong you are. Get a sign into Twitter for the first time in one month. You know what's interesting, though? If I make homemade mac and cheese, which I tend to do more often than craft dinner, mm-hmm. um, I don't usually have leftovers of it. Or if I do, like I'll take them to work then and then heat them in the microwave there. But there's something about the craft dinner that I don't mind when it's fried up. I just... And it's the best, and you maybe, whatever. <laughs> when I was little, we used to put hot dogs in the craft dinner. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then you sure. fry it all up, and then you get, like, the crispy hot dog bits, too. Okay. Good. It was good. Because, you know, if you, like, take your little pieces of hot dog, because my mom, whenever she'd put hot dogs in craft dinner, she'd slice them really thin. Yes. The only way. Yeah, like, I don't I want, don't... like, quarters of hot dogs. No, no, things. like, they're really, and so then when you fry it all up. It then... has to be a correct ratio to... Noodles on tines of fork, mm-hmm. plus one slice of hot dog. Yes, ideally you. Yeah, I was gonna say if you have uh, one piece of hot dog for every forkful of macaroni that you're eating, things are good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so then when you fry, then when you fry it up with the with the hot dogs in it, and then the hot dogs get like the the crispy ends because they've been fried, and then everything's just good. And I'm not saying like you you don't fry the macaroni so it's like burnt. You just you just gotta warm it up, and sometimes the sometimes the the it just gets a little bit crispy. I wasn't imagining you just making a fucking <laughs> radioactive black puddle. Of no, macaroni. but like, but it's not it's not like I'm trying to make like a hard crust of macaroni. It just like just it, it just sometimes it gets a little bit hard and crispy, and it's fine. It tastes good. Remember when we were going to talk about sunburns? I got sunburned yesterday. <laughs> So I went over to my parents' house, um, and sat on their south-facing deck for a long time, and uh, forgot to put sunscreen on again. God, the worst. It's not the worst sunburn I've ever had, though. Like it's it's very noticeable because I am very white. You are. Like my skin is like translucent, basically. Um, last fall, when I went back to school, well, when I went like for football for training camp in August. Um, I had obviously been wearing my sandals all the time, and I had a, a phenomenal sandal tan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and ever, I don't think anyone really realized that that was my sandal tan until when we went to Calgary um, for our, like, preseason trip, which clearly not going to have to do that this year. Um, yeah. And we were, me and the other two coaches, we were sitting, uh, just, like, watching TV or whatever in their room, and I had my feet up on the bed, and one of them was, like, holy fuck that's a tan <laughs> and I was like oh yeah yeah underneath like that's my real skin color and there you go <laughs> I thought they were gonna be like oh my god I thought you were still wearing shoes uh they would could they were very shocked at how at the contrast between the tan and the uh the white part of my foot and I was like yeah that's just me sorry um but yeah so I got a sunburn yesterday and I didn't get another one today because I remembered to put sunscreen on right before I went outside. There you go. Super important. Sun safety. We don't yeah. think about it enough, but we've got that harsh northern hemisphere sun right now. 
Well, and also, yesterday was only about 21 degrees. It wasn't super hot. Yeah, um, so you can't feel it as and it was, but it was, And it was a little bit breezy, and that's always the danger, is when there's just a little yeah. bit of wind, and you don't notice how warm the sun is, and then you go inside, and you're like, oh, Christ. Yeah, until you're like, wait, everything hurts. Yeah. Everything hurts. But yeah, my parents have this uh, this deck that faces south, and so I could go, I was saying to Kelsey before we hit record, I could go over there every day from like 10 until 5, and get just direct sun. And just, like, sit on the deck and read. Which is usually what I do. Not for seven hours, but that's what I do, is sit on their deck and read. Glorious. Yeah. Is there any better way to spend a summer? No. Uh, no, it's pretty good. And, I mean, right now, obviously, there's not a lot of options for, like, stuff to do. Yeah. When it comes right down to it. And that's okay. I'm very... And my parents don't seem to mind me coming over either. They feed me at least three times a week. Um, they're just like, hey, do you want to eat dinner? I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not the worst. It's not um, like I have any other plans. Well, and that's exactly it. Like, I've seen a, a few people, obviously, when I was in at work and stuff. One of my friends from work, she came over on Wednesday, and we had a cup of coffee. She brought coffee, and she sat, I sat on my couch, and she sat over in my chair. Not the one across from the couch, but, like, the other one. Oh, yeah. And we had a, a lovely chat, which was nice. Um... My friend Aaron's come over a couple times, and again, we do our, like, very socially distanced visits, even in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see my parents, and that's it. That's, like, my... That's those. Are, that's my circle right now. Yeah, it's... It's wicked small, that's yeah. for sure. Although, but, it seems for a lot of Calgarians, pandemic's over, bro. Haven't and Edmontonians as well. Oh, man, I am, like, alone, alone, no dog, no husband. I was like, I'm going to go to the river and just, like, walk by myself. Just do what I want to do. And I went down to this park near my house, and it was so fucking packed with people. I didn't even look for a parking spot. I just turned around and left. I was like, Mm -hmm. I cannot deal. Adding to that is how shitty of a summer Calgary has had. It's either raining and freezing or the northeast is getting hit by record setting hailstones like there's no in between yeah and today was the one nice day yeah um yeah it's uh it's not ideal watching the people and i mean and i get it summertime's tough right because you i understand the impetus like to want to do things yeah um but i don't know i'd also like to go to work and not worry about getting this fucking virus so yeah stay home um before we carry on with that I would like, I'm going to tell you a story about the three worst sunburns I've ever had. Oh, I was like, is this another Rex Murphy article no. about sunburns? And I want you to guess how long it took for my skin to go back to its normal color. Okay. So the first one was when I was in grade 12. I went to Australia uh, in December of grade 12 um, for a student union conference. I remember uh, this story. So it's a whole pile of bullshit. Um, and we did our conference in Sydney, and then we went up north uh, into Queensland, um, into to the Great Barrier Reef and stuff. And one of the days that we were up uh, in the northern part of the country, it was, it's December, so it's like summer. It was hot as shit. Um, we were out on a boat and we were doing some snorkeling and you could do scuba diving if you wanted to. And I never, I did get the scuba certification, so I just went snorkeling with one of my friends. And um, I wasn't wearing a, uh, like a PFD or whatever because I wasn't worried about drowning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I could swim. It's all good. And so that was problem number one. 
because my back was very sunburnt when all was said and done because, you know, yeah. when you're snorkeling, you're just, like, face down in the water. Uh, and not just my back, but, like, the backs of my legs. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The and worst. Not, and because when you put sunscreen on, and I think about this often, I always remember to put stuff like a sunscreen on my calves, right? Mm-hmm. But very rarely anyway, so I, like, the backs of my thighs were also real red. Um, and then also we spent a bunch of time that day, like, just on the beach, whatever. Uh, and so it got to the point where my back was sore, but it wasn't the end of the world. Um, my, it was actually my quads were the most burnt because, because just whatever, by the time got out of the water and we're just sitting back on the boat and stuff and they were, it was just like the sun just beating down on them. And, Mm -hmm. and and because my back had gotten a little burnt, I had put a shirt on just to cover up but it, my my quads had not had like any sun exposure whatsoever because I'd been face down in the water for like hours and so sitting on the boat and whatever and by the time we got back they were so red that like they were about not maybe not quite as dark as the wall in my living room but like uniformly red oh like, no and that was, I don't know, however many days before we left, three or four days before we left, maybe. And so then, you know, had to, like, deal with this fucking sunburn for three more days. And then also had to deal with, like, 27 hours on a plane. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, that would be the worst. And in airports. No... and Oh, it was awful. And so oh. I got home. And then we got home right before Christmas break started. So I had two weeks off. And I still had skin like peeling off like two weeks after christmas break oh my god so how long do you think it took my my skin to go back to normal after that i'm gonna say four months longer six longer no eight it was like mid-october oh my god ten months yeah it was real bad Oh my god, Megan. That's not the worst rough. one. Not the worst one. That's not the worst one? Oh, fuck no. 2004. Uh, it, was a- <laughs> it was July of 2004. It was July of 2004, actually. Fun fact. Um, and I was still in university and I was working at the pool. Uh, which actually made the sunburn go away faster than um, normal. And here's why. So... Fun story, uh, hot tubs and sunburns don't mix very well. They hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> However, that is the quickest healing from a sunburn I've ever done in my entire life. So, um, I was out at my friend's cabin for the weekend, and it was, like, a beautiful day. But it was, again, only about, like, 22. It wasn't super, super hot, and it was windy. And so it was at that point where you don't really feel it. Plus, you're on the water, so you're getting the reflection off the water or whatever. I, my back was just, like, the color of my living room wall. Like, it was awful, awful, awful. Jesus. And, um, and my friend... Is there another, like, color reference we could do for people who haven't seen your living room wall? Uh, I'm just trying to think... Like a fruit... Are so, you know, yes, yes, like... here, okay, so you know when you buy cherries, and not the ones that are, like, the dark, dark red, but the ones that are still kind of, like, shiny red? Yes. Kind of there. more vibrant? Okay. Yeah. Kind of there-ish. Maybe not quite that dark, but you get the idea. And, like, uniformly. Like, it was just the same color. Uh, so, yeah, we, my, I got this really, really bad sunburn on my back. And my friend ended up getting, like, heat stroke, so I wasn't in nearly as bad shape as she was. But anyway, we were with her, with, like, her family at the cabin, so it wasn't, we weren't in, like, any danger. But, you know, anyway. There was at least people around to, like, look after us. 
Right. Um, but I was working at the pool, and I got to the I got to work on Monday morning, and I like went to change, and I learned very quickly that I had to wear the same bathing suit that I'd worn in the lake because of the lines. <laughs> which yeah. is fine it like w- wasn't a big deal it was a fine suit to wear like to teach lessons and stuff but like it couldn't move anything and so mm-hmm. one of the lifeguards watched me struggle for like three days and she was like okay she's like we're gonna do something she's like it's gonna hurt i was like okay so she's like tomorrow morning come in early and i was like okay because uh, we started lessons at eight forty-five, so i showed up about eight o'clock and uh she was there and she's like okay go get changed so i went and got changed and she took me out on the pool deck and she took me in the hot tub she's like you're going in and i was like what are you talking about she's like just trust me, this will work. I don't understand how or why. She, We got in the hot tub, and she had to, like, hold me down with, like, my shoulders underneath the water. And we sat there for ten minutes with, like, the 40-degree water. And, oh, my God, that's the hottest hot tub I've ever been in. And it was only, like, the regular temperature. But I thought I was going to die. And within about 24 hours, my skin stopped burning. And then yeah, it started to probably- heal like sensory overload that who knows <laughs> i have no like, idea stop it okay i get it <laughs> i have no idea I but it, get it, it worked and i was shocked <laughs> um i was absolutely stunned that it worked uh and so that was there was that so that was the july of 2004 when do you think my tan lines were gone uh considering the the miracle of the tub um I'll say five months. No. They were still there, like, the following fall. Oh, my God. Yeah. What's wrong with your body, babe? I'm just super white. And so when, like, I'm, like you've, you've known me long enough. My skin is just very, 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 very pale. And so when it gets lots of color, it just stays there. Mm. Um, and fades like, and it's the nice thing, I guess, if there's a, a, an upside to it, um, I'll get a sunburn and then it'll turn into a tan. Whereas, like, I know people who just burn and then it fades again. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that really sucks that you <laughs> benefited in no way whatsoever from the pain that you went through. Um, no one can tell that you ever went outside except that you were hurting for ever and ever. Um, so that was, like, the worst one I think that I've ever had. God. I'm um, quite olive toned, so I don't. I tan super easy, and the only times I've had super bad burns are in the, like, equator zone. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the <laughs> other one was, was when like, I was what in the Hawaii. Fuck? <laughs> the other one was when I was in Hawaii. Again, yeah. equator zone. Um, and, it, and it wasn't, I mean, it was nice enough. It was summertime, but, like, whatever. The temperature's never any different. It was, like, 29 degrees, and yeah. uh, Shauna and I were, like, at the beach just, like, hanging out, and I put sunscreen on, and clearly just not enough, right? And I actually, like... I actually did put sunscreen on and, like, reapplied, and it was just not enough. And no. I ended up with, with quite the burn. It wasn't super bad, like, in terms of severity. The, those other two, I think, were worse. Um, mm-hmm. But we were there for a friend's wedding, and the beach day was before the wedding, so it's oh, not no. ideal. <laughs> it's not Don't ideal. Don't do that. That's a fucking rookie mistake. I know, but that's baby. why, I mean, that's why I, like, was as careful as I could be, and, like, I re- did reapply the sunscreen. It's and whatever. Yeah. Just clearly do Don't matter. <laughs> Don't yeah. matter. Clearly just didn't do it enough. No. That's the that's the tricky thing. You've really gotta limit your time. Yeah. And you gotta wear fucking layers even though it's twenty nine goddamn degrees. Yeah. And you gotta use that SPF one hundred plus, man. Um it's and the I only used way to... us whiteys are gonna survive there. 
One summer I drove, uh, I went to see some family down in Saskatchewan and I was in Regina and then I was driving to Calgary because a friend of mine that I had met when I went to Australia, she's from Toronto, um, and she and a friend of hers had like decided to do like a cross Canada trip and it were our schedules kind of worked out that we were going to be in or that, that she was going to be in Calgary kind of at the tail end of my plans to be in Saskatchewan. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do this. So I met her in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst I, city of all time. And Continue. I and I drove from Regina to Calgary, which is seven hours. And that highway is as straight as you can imagine. I don't think it curves once. Um, and It does at Medicine Hat. Yeah, I was going to say, once you get to Medicine Hat, it curves like slightly, but not a whole lot. It curves um, slightly northwest. <laughs> yeah, but you're but it's still important. You're still going west because when I left Regina, yeah. it was probably eight thirty in the morning. You got full sun on that left full arm, sun didn't on you? that left arm. I did, yeah. and my air conditioner in my car was broken, so I had the window down. Um, oh, which is on the fun. highway. On the highway, yeah. Your it's... ears. Oh no, it was fine. It was all good. Oh. Um, I had my no, I, I so I had the window down. On the highway, but just the one window. If I'd opened the other window, that would have been the ear problem. So it was okay. But I, the di- the difference in color between my two arms at the end of that summer was obscene. Oh, I'm sure it would looked fucking crazy. Yeah. And I still I used to wear watches then too. So I had like they had to, I would take my I used to be able to take my watch off, and this was always funny when I worked at the pool. I would take my watch off, and it looked like I was still wearing a watch. <laughs> uh, it was just like a really white watch. <laughs> I used to have that when I was a kid. I would wear a watch religiously. And, like, in the summertime in Saskatchewan, we just ran around fucking outside all day. No sunscreen, no nothing. Because our parents didn't care about us. And, um... Okay, John Mulaney. You're welcome. And then, one year, I took my, like, watch off come fall. And I was like, oh my god. It was a perfect... Definition, and I used to say when people would ask me what time it was, I would say it's skin (laughs) o'clock. People used to ask me all the time what time it was when I didn't have my watch on because it looked like at a quick glance it it looked like I had a watch on, and I was like, oh, I don't actually know. Sorry. Unless you're Jack Reacher, then you just always know. You always know. Oh my God! Remember when we said we were going to talk about Hamilton? (laughs) Yes. It's been one Gregorian hour of recording. Uh, okay, well, let's let's talk about it, because there's a couple things. We don't have to talk about it in a lot of detail, because I do feel like we should give some time and attention to it once we've, like, been able to process it without crying, because I cried a lot while I watched it. Um, I didn't, because I had an audience. So uh, I was very much. I also had an audience, but I was with Riva, and we both just sobbed. <laughs> oh, of course you did. That's fine. That's uh, fine. So if you're not aware, the Hamilton uh, film came out on Disney Plus last week. So today's July the 10th. Um, yes. So it came out on July the 3rd. And um, oh no, it's Tuesday the 11th because it's not actually Friday anymore. It's Saturday now. Um, oh my God, it's Saturday. Yeah. Whoa. I was, like, so confused. I was like, Megan, it's Monday. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I know this because I taught yesterday, but I didn't teach today, see? Important know. distinction, for And sure. if I had missed class, my teaching partner would have texted me, like, where the fuck are you? What are you doing? Yeah, so we're good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was going to watch it on the Friday, and then I didn't, I couldn't, so I went over to Reba's house on the Saturday, and in the afternoon, and we watched it, and cried. Yep. Um, 
Oh, and both of us, you and I have both seen it live. Already. Correct. We've seen the show. And so, like, I think, to, honestly, like, I, I feel like having already seen it, um, I didn't, I wasn't quite as in awe of some of the things that maybe if I hadn't seen it, I would have been. Yeah, it was very difficult to watch it on the, not difficult, different to watch it on the small screen. And I watched it with three people who had, like, very little context at all. And to watch all of that for the first time on the small screen was so overwhelming, it seemed like. Yes, there's a lot Characters, plot, like, just, I don't think they'd ever seen a play before either. So just, like, Mm -hmm. navigating the visual aspects of that, too. Like, figuring out, like, where do I focus? Where do I focus? Like... Oh, I'll tell you where you focus. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Well, it's interesting that you say that because our friend Aaron. so Riven and I have uh, the Broadway Cross Canada subscriptions, mm-hmm. um, and Hamilton's supposed to be next summer, in, like, the summer of 2021. Um, I was curious as to how they were going to do that with, like, the schedule, but then they were just going to do it in July for, like, a three-week run, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because um, normally on those things, like, each show is in town for, like, six days. Yeah, and then they it moves need... on. With the sets, they need a lot more time. Well, and also I think just the, knowing the popularity of it, like, yeah. they, they'll be able, and now who knows, maybe that'll last longer, I have no idea, anyway, it doesn't matter. But our friend Erin also has a, a ticket on that subscription with us, and she hasn't listened to the whole soundtrack, because she wanted to, like, see the show first. Mistake. And Well, and that's exactly, <laughs> and that's what we told her, I was like, honestly, if you, you should listen to it, and, like, become a little bit familiar with the story and certain things, because when you see it, if you're not familiar with it... There's so, so much going on that, like, yeah. just to see it for the first time and not really have any context, whether it's on stage or the film or whatever, would would be really tough because there's just so many layers. Mm-hmm. And to... it's so kinetic and it's so swift and it like it's a very long play, mm-hmm. but everything moves so quickly and each song is literally a different <laughs> narrative plot and theme from the previous one. Or in nonstop, I don't know, nine plots in a six-minute mm-hmm. song. Like, it's fucking stupid how much he crams into there. Except that, like, nonstop functions exactly the same as One Day More in Les Mis, right? It's that, like, big choric number at the end of the first act that yeah. sums up all of the things we've learned so far. Yes, I So as much as more. he sort of... as Oh, I love it so much. Um, as much as he, like, eschews the traditional structure of musicals, he's still... There's still certain things... That oh, yes. he's very, he very too. clear about. Yeah, he's a student of Broadway. Like, oh, for sure. He, he did a great job, top to bottom. Um, okay. Regardless of that nonsense that we just talked about, um, oh, I don't even know where to begin. Like, what I said moments, to Kelsey. What I said to Kelsey was that I'm glad that I saw it with the cast that I did. Because I would have been very distracted watching, like, the original cast. And and usually, and this is the interesting thing about theater, like, musical theater especially. Oftentimes, it's quite rare for people who start off in theater mm-hmm. to become as quickly well-known as the cast of Hamilton yeah. did. Like, stars immediately. And that's very much thanks to how accessible... Uh, the music was for a lot of people because you don't have those big sweeping orchestral numbers and you don't have you, you don't know, have that... a lot of cross 
talk and like overlap like that's why I don't like One Day More is cause like there's fucking 30 people singing and they're all singing different words and different tunes and I can't stand it oh I love it so much um and there's not a lot of that in Hamilton like for example the end of Hamilton goes out with like a whisper and a gasp which is Whereas, so cool because most Broadway yeah, musicals like have that huge big show-stopping number. Yeah, and all, everyone's you know involved and it's big, it's massive, it's like the finale of the fireworks display, and it's so not that. Um, that I really admire that Lynn did those changes, but I just David is such a good actor. Yeah, so this was the this was the thing that I, I was glad that I had seen it uh, with a different cast because I could not stop watching David Diggs do things on stage. No, and you know what? Same with Anthony. Yes, yes. I couldn't believe, like, he was so charismatic. Like, my eyes just followed him everywhere. He did such a great job. And I think that's one of the things, too, about, like, having to listen to the music first not only just to like get the plot because there's 80 fucking characters in it but to understand each of the different voices and the personalities that go along with the voices because once you see them on screen you're like oh got it got it got it got it like it was so I think one of my favorite parts was when they were uh you know, Samuel Seabury, what's that one called? Oh, Farmer Refuted. That is one of Farmer my favorite, Refuted. like, minor tracks on that. It's so good. It's so good. And I love how when Thane is just going on and talking his pretentious bullshit, the boys are, like, ping-ponging Hamilton into... Burr's like, no, don't interrupt this guy. And Davide's like, yeah, go interrupt this guy. And it's just, like, so coy and it's so sly and it's just those like little bits of showmanship that the audio Mm -hmm. really lacks like I understood that they were egging him on and they wanted him to um, get involved and make this guy a fool but so much more elevated with those individual personalities that I didn't experience during my viewing of it no and that was the thing with having heard the recording so as many times as I had before seeing the show too mm-hmm. like because you know you're you're not getting the same voices in the same performances, yeah. Um, not that like the people that we saw were phenomenal, of course. And I'm pretty sure that we saw like ninety percent of the of what we saw were understudies, um, just um, because when mine when I, actually wasn't. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure that when Reva and I went, that lots of our our cast was understudies, and you wouldn't like if I hadn't have known that I you wouldn't know. Yeah, because like it was absolutely phenomenal. And the staging's really cool, and, like, it's all on... There's, like, this turntable on the stage, which is really neat, and there's, like, three concentric circles that move mm-hmm. differently as they need to, and sometimes they all move at the same pace. Like, it's really, really cool stuff, and it's very technically... Um, it's really technically brilliant in so many ways. But, like, just getting to watch the sort of the manifestation of what the cast recording had become I thought was really neat, and also because by that point in time... They, they were almost a year into the run. Mm-hmm. So they had really kind of, like, sunk into the roles. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, that makes a big difference, too. Yeah. When, um... When Lynn 
during It's Quiet Up Town was uh-huh. sobbing. I was like, oh, he's three weeks, three weeks away from quitting. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like so emotionally connected to this that he's like, oh, I'm going to leave Philippa in three weeks and we're not going to be husband and wife on stage anymore. Like he is yeah. wrecked. Yep. He's wrecked top to bottom. Yep. Um, and it was like, so that was really cool. And, and getting to see some of like that personality and you sort of see like some of the roots of some of these people, like, um, like David Diggs is not a Broadway performer, right? Like that's not where he's, Mm-mm. that's not where he's, that's not his background, mm-hmm. but that role or those roles for him were perfect for the kind of performer that he is. Absolutely. And then it was so weird because I've been watching Snowpiercer. I'm not caught up, but I have been watching it. And he's so wooden on Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. But the character also is, like, yes. very controlled and withdrawn. But to see him just, like, flounce <laughs> and bounce as either, you know, Jefferson or Lafayette was just an absolute fucking joy. It really, see. really was. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching it, and I've watched, like, bits and pieces of it since, just, like, mm-hmm. little, little tiny parts, but yeah, and it, it is fun to see how the characters, and you can tell, too, because they've been in this mm-hmm. now for a year, right, and they're in this, in this thing for a year by this point, like, you can tell that this is just, like, basically, like, slipping a second skin on, like, this is yeah. just part of the thing, but, like, I thought it was really cool. I don't, I would, I'd be curious to know how many takes they did of certain things where the cameras were up on stage, um, and yeah. with the close-ups and stuff, just because, uh, it, like, I just thought it was really neat how you got to see some of those things, and there's some points where there was, like, a crane shot, so you could see, like, the, the stage mm-hmm. from above and stuff, which, of course, you never get that perspective when you're in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're in the fucking nosebleeds. <laughs> but even still, you don't get that, like, that straight yeah, down over look, top, and I thought yeah. that was really, really cool. Um... Especially yeah, to was... wait for it when there was those really cool, like, lighting clues. Yes. Or cues, not clues, why did I say clues? Um, that when you're sitting lower, you really don't recognize yeah. those effects that they're doing. Yeah, well, and I always think, like, it's funny with theater, like, I always find it interesting that your floor seats, like, right up by the stage are the most expensive, because they shouldn't be, because they're never they the best They suck. <laughs> they suck. Because all you're doing is looking at people's feet. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not okay. Um, I prefer, and I like it for movies too, I like to sit further back so you can kind of take in the whole thing. But the different, the downside, of course, in the theater is like the further back you are, the less likely you are to be able to see some of the facial expressions and some of those things. Yeah. And like, and so that was the nice part about the cameras because you got to see some of those things that you wouldn't normally see. Because mm-hmm. even when I went to see it, like we were up in probably, I think like the second or third last row of the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were things that we just missed, right? And yeah. some of that, like, interaction between characters and whatnot. And and that was the thing from going, from listening to the the recording, which, I mean, this is now going to become a static performance as well because it's recorded and it's out there. But when you listen to a recording of something, you're listening to the static version of the thing, mm-hmm. and the live experience is so much more dynamic. Yeah, of course. And so this captured a lot of that, dynamism that you wouldn't get from just listening to a recording but honestly like not that much more because the recording is fucking incredible oh the recording is really is is really great what i what i found amazing is that leslie odom jr is constantly 
hitting the exact level of a recording. Like, he, his voice live was fucking incredible. I couldn't believe, him and Philippa were fucking mm-hmm. insane how good they were consistently. Yep. And both of them have to, like, <laughs> scream and shout and, you know, whisper in songs sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was fucking unbelievable how good they were. The thing I thought was really interesting, because now that the movie's out, there's a lot of stuff with the cast, like, out on YouTube, and you can find, like, you know, different shows mm-hmm. have done stuff with, like, recent things, but now that then there's, like, old videos coming back. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that is really a really interesting thing is they've asked pretty much all of the main cast, like, a song that's not your own, mm-hmm. which, of, of the songs that aren't your own, like, which is the one that you think, that you would love to perform? Mm-hmm. And so many of them say that they want to perform Satisfied. Oh really? Um, and then oh, and so but they're also like that. That's one of the hardest songs in the whole show. And then I listened to a thing with um, Renee, and she was basically saying like all of the stuff that she did, it was fine. It's, but when she gets at the end of that song to the toast, she's yeah. like, I was like, I was drained every yeah. t- every night by the time I got there. And she said that was the hardest part of that song for me. Yeah, every for sure. time was to like because that the toast is like as mu- is much more um, enthusiastic and exuberant than it is the first time she she gives the toast, mm-hmm. and you know, and you go through this entire like journey with her, and I, it was just really interesting to hear them say, like that you know that's the song that sort of gets them when they, and now that they've had for some of them had a chance to actually see it, mm-hmm. you know, here's what the whole show looks like, mm-hmm. and the things that they noticed and were kind of blow away from. Well, that's what I I found so funny about it is because they they're so they're so deep into the enjoyment of watching it like we are. Like Lynn said, the first time he saw it was when President Obama came and he sat next to him in the audience. Yeah, and that's like yeah, a year into it, and like yeah. eight years since you began writing it and crafting it, and like that's fucking nuts. Well, I think, but just just I want to stop there for a second. Imagine the audacity. To just imagine being like, you know what I'm going to do when the president's here? I'm not going to let him see me perform. I'm going to watch it with him instead. (laughs) You know what? I didn't even think about that. Like, Like, because he, yeah, he basically was like, no, I'm not performing tonight. (laughs) But, but, I think we can both agree, vocally, Lynn's the weak link of the production. He is. So So I I sent you some notes after I finished, and these were my thoughts. Okay, Um, good. I, I pulled them up because I was like, no, we need to do this. Um, so the first one, Lynn was the weakest singer of the main cast and it was distracting at times. And as much as the emotion in like It's Quiet Uptown came out, that was his worst song. By I a know. Lot. That's what I think to his benefit on the cast recording is because obviously they did a lot of takes and he's much more yeah. kind of on pitch and... Well, and they're not it's doing not the movement, the and they're, they're not doing yeah. the movement, and they're not doing all the other stuff. It's just the singing, and I think for him that's a little bit easier. Yeah, he's not a belter. <laughs> no, no, uh, he's a phenomenal he's a rapper. <laughs> he's a phenomenally charismatic performer, though. Yes, of course. But yeah, he just doesn't have that like that singing voice, and and that's fine. But yeah, that that part to me was quite distracting. Yeah, for sure. Because um, it was it was weak. Uh, number two, David any day, any time. I feel like we know that that's just true. Um, mm-hmm. I would let Renee walk all over me and say thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Groff was incredible. So by I that know, point everyone... in time, he Go was ahead. not in the show anymore. 
He had oh, already. He oh, yes, he was doing the show, wasn't he? Yeah, he had already left, uh, yes. and they brought him back for those like three days or whatever uh, to do all the filming. Awesome. He was amazing. He was. Everyone on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr is so mad about you know his spray from his performance. I'm like, that's a fucking performer. He's committing a hundred percent. Well, and I Don't remember people were so upset when he got the Tony nomination. Because what? well, because he was on stage for like eight minutes. Yeah, but he fucking crushes it. I know. Top to but I was like, motherfuckers, Judy Dench got an Oscar nomination and she was on screen for eight minutes, so who even cares? Um, yeah, but, but, that's right. I'm putting Jonathan Groff in the same category <laughs> as Dame Judy Dench. You fucking bet I am. But no, he was he was really really good. Like he was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just and it was it was really funny because you hear all of that pettiness that comes from King George on mm-hmm. the soundtrack or on the, on the cast recording. And the only person who approaches the pettiness of King George is Aaron Burr. <laughs> but in the stage version, like, as petty as Aaron Burr is, and I feel like he was more petty on stage than he was on the recording, he doesn't even come close to King George. No. What I found so funny is how... Noticing how different this staging of it was to the one I saw. Because in the one I saw... Um, I have my playbook, my playbill here. It was Ewan Morton played King George. Okay. And during He's Never Gonna Be President Now, he, like, danced around (laughs) Hamilton and was, like, throwing papers in the air, Mm -hmm. just like Jefferson was. And Mm -hmm. it was just, it was so funny. He was just in it. And in this one, it wasn't quite that far. (laughs) But him saying, I'm so blue, and stomping his foot, and the lighting <laughs> cue changing to a blue light so was good. so fucking good. This is when I was like, oh, okay, this is how I understand the importance of a good director for a Broadway show. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, my thought number five, if I'd seen it live with this cast, I'd have missed so many things because I'd have only been paying attention to David because I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Yeah. Um, and part of it, like, part of it is, like, ultimately his, like, stage presence is huge but he's i mean that's what he does like he's a rapper right and that's like that's what he does in his outside of acting life but when um like oak also huge and then so skilled at just being this demure (laughs) madison this demure sickly madison in act two oh it was amazing it was amazing and watching yeah watching the difference between like yeah lafayette and jefferson Mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, and then like Hercules Mulligan and Madison it was really interesting to see them like play those two roles. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, also, um, I read something that the first that like um, when Ma- in Act Two when Madison like asks Jefferson like where have you been and he's like uh, France France <laughs> was of was improvised at first and then it made it into. He just, oh like, really? Yeah, he just kind of added it in because there was like a long enough beat, and it just worked, and that was the end of that. Um, what else did oh, I say? Man. Anthony was so good in both roles; like he was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but John Lauren's death like really got me because that's the one yeah. that's like the one little thing that's not on the recording. The recording, yeah. And it like and I it hurt. hurt. It did. It hurt because. It hurt because it's given so little time, and it hurt because, like, there's very few moments in the show where people talk, just straight dialogue, mm-hmm. and that's one of them, and it's just fucking heartbreaking, because, like, everything stops. 
Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden Howard says like, oh, "Fuck, I got to do more work. Like I didn't do enough." Yeah, I didn't it, do enough. And then it it gets into which is a really interesting transition. Um, uh, what else did I say? He was like, "Fucking loved Oka's Madison. So subtle and so funny. Like when he was crying." Mm-hmm. As Madison just using his yeah, <laughs> like it was just it was it was good. It was really good. Uh, didn't think Burke could be more petty than on the soundtrack, but he was, and I love it. Like, he was. It was, and it was partially, I think, just being able to see the expression, too, not just hearing it. Yeah. Um, and, but he was just, like, he was so, so, so good. Um, the enunciation of the T in endorsement, when, uh, Jefferson says says to Burke, thank Hamilton for the endorsement, was the single most savage thing (laughs) in that show, I think. Like, it was just so pronounced and so, like. Yeah. It hit the it space hit me between the, the N. Yeah, it hit this, me in the balls. <laughs> the space between the N and the T in that word was mm-hmm. a year long. Like David might as well have crotch chopped. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And it was just like <laughs> I could not believe it because in the way the tone on the recording is very kind of like snide. Mm-hmm. But this just had that like extra. Yeah, it Crotch was... Crotch chop combined with two middle fingers in the air. Two middle fingers in the air and, and shitting some, on and, your parents' graves. And just, like, all of the salt in the world on a <laughs> yeah. wound. Like, it yeah, was just exactly. everything all at once. It was so <sighs> good. Uh, and then I had some other notes. Because my last one, I'll save that to the end. Uh, Wait For It just absolutely slaps. It's such a good song. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Um... Farmer Refuted is my favorite, like, small track on that whole thing. It's excellent. It's so well written that, like, to I had to look at the lyrics to follow along everything that was happening. Well, even the line, don't modulate the key and not debate with me. Oh, Yeah, just so win. good. Um, the editing between the wide shots and the close-ups was almost flawless. Not quite. There were a couple moments where I was like, Egh. but that's yeah. okay. Uh, and then my last one. Imagine being so talented that you write four lines that eventually make monarchy rhyme with panicky. <laughs> like, holy fuck. Oh. I can't even explain that transition, but it is an incredible one. Yeah, it's... It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous the ways in which Lynn communicates these ideas in the uh-huh. most ostentatious way. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Like, he didn't have to do it that hard. No. But he did. <laughs> no, he sure did not. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was really good. And the other thing, too, that I think is really interesting, and this is one of the reasons why, like, I'm teaching uh, Hamilton as our modern play in summer school. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it is because it's accessible and it's out there and we didn't have to worry about, and also, like, I was like, how are we going to do readings with, like, Google Meets and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, forget it. I'll figure something out. So this is what we're doing. Um, but the prologue, the opening track of that of that show, tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. And it's so clever. Oh, um, well, it's a spoiler alert, really. Oh, it is. It's the, Well, it's the prologue in Romeo and Juliet, right? Those 14 lines yes. tell you exactly what happens, and then you just got to watch the whole thing to figure out how it all unravels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's good. The thing that I thought was the funniest, because I find it funny on the album too, the transition between It's Quiet Uptown and like the election of 1800 is jarring. <laughs> Cause, cause it's, Can we get like, back to politics, please? Well, because it's just this like emotionally like wrought moment, and then the music is super upbeat. And on the recording, 
it's just it's funny because there's no space in between the tracks. Yeah. But when I watched the staging, I was I expected there to be like maybe a couple beats longer of like just that silence before it no. started up again. Because to me, it felt it was like it was a big old whiplash. And I was like, oh shit! All right. Yeah, it's real rough. It's real rough, but it's also because they say like, is it Burr or Jefferson that says can we? I think it's Jefferson. Yeah. Um, who gets, like, the plot back on track. It just reinforces that, although it's called Hamilton, this really isn't about him very much. Like, as I've said before, it's Burr's play. Uh-huh. Like, Burr's the narrator. Everything is framed around his relationship to Hamilton. Yep. And watching it really made me think about um, Skylar Defeated. Because in that song, Hamilton is like, why would you do this to me? You switch parties mm-hmm. to run against my father-in-law, and you beat him, and you expect me not to take that personally? Mm-hmm. And Burr's like, well, what do you expect me to do? And it's just like so... <laughs> it's so fucking blind of him to be like... He's gaslighting Hamilton, essentially. Well, He's and like, this, oh, he just, why would he, you be mad about that? I'm just listening to what you told me to do. <laughs> so terrible. Well, and he does the same thing with, to Jefferson after he loses the election. And he's like, I look forward to our partnership as your vice president. And Jefferson's like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Like, it's just so sassy when he's like, you openly campaigned against me. And now you think you you can be my vice president, which of course Mm -hmm. is how it worked back then. And then they changed it. Um, But like, like how ridiculous. But can we also just talk about for a second and this, I will never ever in my life get over this. The absolute audacity of a sitting vice president <laughs> to be so upset at his political rival that yeah. he challenged him to a duel and then did not do the honorable thing no. and actually killed him. Well, I think he thought that was the honorable king. Like Hamilton, let's be honest, <laughs> Hamilton is always in his own way. Like. Mm-hmm. I know how to stop this conspiracy against me. I'll tell them all my fucking secrets. (laughs) I'll tell them everything. And then they won't have anything on me. It's like, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) Like, oh, you're so, so single-minded. Like, fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, well, and it's that that part too. Like, also, yeah, Hamill. When and I mean he like this is the thing about Alexander Hamilton. Any of the reading, if you do any reading about him, um, and there's always the, there's the controversy about the play and how it presents some of these founding fathers in like positive lights and stuff. And sure, it probably does more so. And then you know you'll see people like, oh Jefferson was so hot. I'm like, no, nah, no, he wasn't. David's hot. Thomas Jefferson not so much. Also, Thomas Jefferson slaves. piece of garbage. Yeah. yeah, all of them pieces of garbage. Oh, except except Eliza. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, like, there's that element of it as well. And but like all of the reading that I've I've done about Hamilton, and I like it's interesting stuff, um, because he really did come from a whole lot of nothing, mm-hmm. and and worked his way into um, Washington's like inner circle, which is a fascinating thing just in general, right? But he clearly had the brains to do it. So any of the reading that I've ever done, but he was like horrifically ambitious, um, and the ambition, yeah. of course, was the thing that ended up killing him. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there's so many 
references to like yes. Icarus to fucking Macbeth. Yeah, I could talk about those comparisons to Macbeth forever. For because he compares himself to Macbeth. Yeah, like he knows, he knows. And so when Burr's all pissed off that Hamilton wrote the fifty one. Um, Federalist mm-hmm. papers like that might be to me that's just like the peak of their rivalry right there but it's just like for the love of Christ like I cannot up. I cannot <laughs> get anything accomplished mm-hmm. because you are like outworking everybody but Burr is also one of those people who thinks that other people's successes are his perceived failures yes like Hamilton is in his own lane and Mm -hmm. he always has been and he always will be and Burr your whole (laughs) mantra which I'm 100% on board with is wait (laughs) wait (laughs) let's not hey could we could we maybe not you know I know you have that crazy idea to fight in a war maybe we shouldn't yeah oh absolutely um but it's just the whole thing is it's just so it's so interesting and any of the reading that I have done um it's, yeah he was just this like horrifically ambitious person mm-hmm. um and those kind of people there comes a point where those kind of people alienate the people around them yeah and it's not intentional Mm-mm. but the, he's he strikes me you know and, and I think that he was written this way very well in the show he strikes me as the kind of person for whom he's like oh for the love of god just let me do the thing like, yes. I'm sure you'll probably get around to it, but I'm going to do it right now, and I'm going to do it better than you can. Oh, you mean a Jack Reacher type? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I know where we're going next. Uh, <laughs> no, but, we've been talking way too long. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that's the, and that's the thing about the characterization, which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. But, like, there's so many little things that people have noticed about this show that, like, cannot be coincidences. And I think that that's maybe the thing about it that's the coolest. Like, Lynn wrote a, a thing that there are so, 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 so many layers to this. That when you think you've figured them all out, there's one more. Yeah. And there's oh, one sure. more. And there's one more. Like, for example, um, I think I sent it to you, but, like, the the, the song right near the end, um, Best of Wives and Best of Women. Mm-hmm. They both each say 36 words in that song. Mm-hmm. And they were married for 36 years. It's fucking... Lynn, how dare you? Right? That's like why those I little... love the, the Hamilton, the big book, that yeah. he annotated all the songs, and there's interviews, and there's stories in there, too. And it's just like, God, every fucking line is footnoted with something. Like, yeah. it's nuts. Well, and it was funny. When we were prepping for summer school and deciding to do this, I just, like, pulled the lyrics off of Genius. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, is that going to be a copyright? Probably because you know we're in a school board. There's like been some copyright stuff going on, and I was like, no, because Lynn the second them. <laughs> the second most prolific commenter on all of these lyrics is the writer himself. So I yeah. feel like we're okay. I feel like we good. Yeah, I feel like using this as my as my text is okay because he yeah. has given his own interpretations of it of things online for free. <laughs> And what's really interesting, too, is, like, he's he does say some stuff, and he gives some insights into some certain things, but to me, it doesn't come across the way that it has with, like, other authors who are like, oh, by the way, in this thing that I wrote, mm-hmm. this is what I meant. 
You know, like it's it doesn't I come think... across in that like condescending kind of way. He's just sort of like, yeah, let's have a discussion, a conversation about this thing, and like I want to get in on what people are saying and like hear your thoughts and you know. Well, I think it's because like it's a musical, and the people who are psyched about it are Broadway nerds. Yeah, and Broadway nerds love this shit. Like, Lynn is the people he's writing for, so it makes total sense that he would be as enthusiastic as talking about it Mm -hmm. although I know since the film came out there's been a lot of criticism on Twitter from people saying like this glorifies the founding fathers and they all sucked and (laughs) Lynn has had to not had to he doesn't have to do anything but he put out tweets it's like yeah your criticisms are valid but like I wrote a hip hop story about the founders like what I'm not (laughs) Yeah, I'm not writing about, you know, they're fighting against slavery. They didn't. Nope. And each of them is portrayed, except maybe Lawrence and Lafayette, as dipshits. So, like, what what do you want? If you're seeing this as everyone comes out on top, I don't think you saw the play. (laughs) It's true. That is very, very accurate. It's also, I saw the thing, and I feel like I sent it to you, but I can't remember. On Instagram, someone had, like, tweeted, someone had tweeted at him and been, like, um, something about- Why didn't you tell us Philip was hot? Yeah, about Philip being hot, and he's like, I'm pretty fucking sure I did. Yeah. (laughs) If you listened to the song and saw him fucking teasing those women about how fucking big his cock is- Yeah. uh, It's not even a read between the lines. It's to listen to the fucking lines. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I thought that was really funny. Like, why didn't you, yeah, the person's like, why didn't you tell me Philip Hamilton was hot? And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure that I did, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thanks for paying attention. It was good. It was, uh, I enjoyed it very much. I'm going to watch it again because, not right now, but like, not today. I don't have time today. But, uh, yeah. Also, let's move on. We have a quiz that we want to do. I didn't get any questions because I knew we'd talk a long time. I did send you a thing from the Twitter machine on your, on your text messages. Uh, Last Kingdom Season 5 is a go! Oh, yes. And I'm Can't so wait. very excited. But you need to watch the video because it's delightful. Yeah, uh, I haven't had time yet. Okay, we have a quiz. Um, it's We know which Hamilton character you are based on your meal choices. So I'm going to open it up on my phone and you can open it up on yours and we'll like do each other's answers. Go okay, on. just hold on. I gotta get this stupid thing open. Where did you send it to me? I texted it to you. Texted it to me? Yeah. Oh, no, that's the Last Kingdom video. This is the danger of us uh, having 977 different ways of talking to each other. Yeah, it's like, which avenue was the shared for me? I cannot find from? it. Okay, I got it. Okay, whoa, what is happening? Hang on. Um, okay. Oh, so... <laughs> Fair warning, this is a community quiz. <laughs> it is a community quiz, but it cracked me up, and the answer that I got made me laugh, so I was like, alright, let's do it. Okay, okay. Oh, but now it won't open. What do you mean, it won't open? It's, like, not opening. Hang on, I'll find it again. I'll just search for it this way. The link, like, won't work, and I don't know why. Which... There we go, okay. okay. Are we ready? Okay, pick something for breakfast. Pancakes, cereal, smoothie, or bagel? I guess pancakes out of those four. Okay, I'm going to say cereal. Oh, shit. I'm not picking for myself. I'm picking for you. Yeah. Um, morning snack. Chips, fruit salad, nuts. No thank you. Mm, no thank you. 
Like, you couldn't come up with a fourth fucking midnight right? snack? What's yours? Um... God, no thank you. <laughs> All those suck. Okay, now grab some lunch. Sandwich, chicken, ramen, or pizza? Pizza, top to bottom. I will take a sandwich. Okay. And some dinner. I feel like I know your answer. Pasta. Uh-huh. Mine uh, is also pasta. Okay. Can't forget a dessert. Cake, ice cream, cookies, brownies. Ice cream. Ooh, I'm going to go brownies. Okay. How about a midnight snack? Popcorn, candy, leftovers, or no thanks, I'll go to sleep. Uh, popcorn all the way, 100%. Yes, but there's also, like, you couldn't come up with a fourth midnight snack. Like, come on. Yes, popcorn, I agree. Finally, top your day off with a drink. Lemonade, soda, beer, or water? I'll take a soda. I'll take a water. Oh my god. Megan. What? <laughs> You're King George III. Yes, I know. The description made me laugh, and that's why I sent it to you. You enjoy being in charge very much. <laughs> you will do anything to get any kind of power, whether that is ruling over someone or just being the line leader in class. You don't pay attention to what people think of you and most likely never will. But one thing people should keep in mind when meeting you is don't get you angry. Holy shit, right? it's on point. <laughs> well, and it was funny, too, um, because at the end of the school year, we did, in our social department, we, we did awards, and I got the Problem Solver Award, I think. Is that what they called it? I can't remember. But it was basically, like, Megan likes to micromanage stuff, and we let her do it. And I was like, yes, that is accurate. <laughs> um, you are Aaron Burr. What? You oh, keep- holds a grudge forever and ever? <laughs> You keep plans close to your heart, which makes you stand up from everyone else. You don't like to pick sides, but will fight no matter what. You are a very supportive friend to those you trust. And finally, you long for love and will do anything to find it. I feel like mine's more on point than yours. Yeah, I can't believe there's nothing in there about holding a grudge forever and ever. (laughs) Well, did he really hold a grudge? I think Hamilton held the grudge and was like, here are the 30 years of things that we have fought about. But, but Hamilton was doing it like, yeah, duh, we've always been enemies. And Burr was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hamilton was so much more blasé about it. I think so, too. Because Hamilton, like, to be political was to be confrontational. So yeah. it didn't matter to him. Had to take a stand. Yeah, and Burr was just like, well, I don't know. Anyway, good, good times. Uh, have you read any good books? No, <laughs> just Jack Reacher's that are Jack making me angry. <laughs> Taking oh. a break from it. Because that one I texted you about, I fucking called yeah. the big mystery right yeah. at the start. And I felt so betrayed by Lee Child because that's never happened before. I know, he's usually really good, hey? He's usually really good at either veiling like what the true intent of the injustice is or who's perpetrating it. And I knew both right away. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, he's yeah he's usually really good at not revealing. Because it usually takes me quite a long time to figure out, like, what's the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because, like, even though Jack knows it, sorry, Reacher knows it, he's not going to tell you or the, no. the extremely bright female agent he's working with. <laughs> no, that's true. He's just like, well, think about it. I'm sure you can figure it out. And then yep. they're on a plane for eight hours and apparently they don't speak anymore. <laughs> But I don't like talking to people on planes, I understand. Um, Even people you're fucking? Well, 
That's true. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes you don't need to talk to them. Sometimes it's not the point. Oh. Um, oh, Megan. <laughs> Preach it to the choir. <laughs> And on that note, I think we should stop. Yeah, um, we gotta wrap it up. Kelsey's getting silly over here. She's gonna regret what she says next. It's almost nine o'clock, and the last time we recorded this late, I told a really good Jamie Ben joke that made you cry. So it's time to go. <laughs> uh, um, we'll try and do uh, something in less than a month, probably. Uh, time Ideally, just, time just didn't work out. It's all good. Um, so that's all we have for you this week. Thank you, uh, for listening. You can find our things on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. There's a Twitter that I'm going to post a poll about <laughs> craft dinner, I think, if Megan will remind me as to what we just talked about uh-huh. on this bludging podcast of ours. Yeah. Um, there's an email address. All of this you can find if you just Google Garbage Fire Podcast. Yeah. What else do I need to tell you? Goodness um, gracious. There's an Instagram. Sometimes we update things. That's about it. <sighs> Gonna fucking put a poll on that thing, too. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that is all we have for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the dumpster.